We've been spending the week talking about the digital divide and how to close the broadband gap. Joining us is Kyle Mullady, Chief Technology Officer of Verizon, to discuss how wireless companies play into this. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. So I want to talk about the digital divide, which remains a big problem in America. You know, everyone being stuck at home, that dynamic has really shined a light on the fact that you know there are, there are lots of haves and have-nots. There's a big gap in terms of opportunity for people who can access the internet versus people who can't. Um, that's particularly the case in uh, rural areas. And I know Verizon has sort of a, a history of working with rural carriers, even dating back to the 4G LTE days. So I'm curious to see what uh, what you think the role of seller service plays in helping to close the broadband gap. Because a lot of it has traditionally been about landline and the problems with getting landline infrastructure out there. What about cellular? You know, I, I think uh, it almost, it, it is an issue. And if you go down to Washington and you talk to anybody, this is top of mind. Uh, you know, it's a lot of conversation, but there's a lot of debate on how to solve it. Um, you know, from my perspective, uh, once again, making spectrum available is really, really helpful. And because wireless carriers can use that spectrum and let's face it, it's, if we have enough spectrum, you can get enough bandwidth out there to make a meaningful wireless, fixed wireless access um, offering. Um, and so, so I think that's really, really important. I think another important thing is, you know, the governments, they, they have the, this fund that they're, um, they're putting out. And, you know, and I think that's a good idea because it helps to fray the costs. I think, you know, in some of these, some of these places, there's very, very few people. And to deploy, you know, some, some capital and big networks um, for only a few people, obviously doesn't, for shareholders, doesn't make a lot, of, a lot of sense. But you know what? It's the right thing to do for society. And so making Spectrum available, maybe, you know, uh, letting people leverage this RDOF fund, maybe gets it into a, a place where now we can really start um, doing more in underserved and and un- frankly, unserved um, areas. So we're thinking a lot about that. And I think you'll be hearing more from us on what we're doing in terms of programs in the coming months. Yeah, and you've, you've touched upon you know 5G as a home broadband option. I know you're in a handful of markets right now. Uh, what does the roll- rollout look like, I guess, in the coming months? You know, it, it, it has taken a while. You, you launched with a couple of early markets. I think you added one. But other than that, it's sort of stagnated a bit. So are we going to see more of a, a quicker ramp up of new markets as you know technology matures and you get more comfortable with it? Yeah, no, I think it's it's just a matter of when we pull the trigger. Initially we put a lot of markets out, you know, as they became available, onesie twosie. Um, you know, I think what we're gonna do, you'll start seeing uh, you'll see in the third quarter, the fourth quarter of this year, we'll probably just like one big boom, here's a whole bunch of new ones. You know, and, and you'll see those when they're ready. And then we'll keep adding markets as we go. And and I don't, you know, and I think maybe we'll we'll end up doing them, we'll launch them in tranches as opposed to just letting ones or twosies kind of uh, drip out. But um, but you'll start, you'll see a lot of 30 plus markets for the rest of this year. And then you will see our uh, our nationwide deployment. So teams are working really hard to make make sure that we uh, we make those bogeys. And that's that's uh, the wireless side. But I'm just curious about the the home broadband side or the, the fixed mobile broadband. Like, is that, are we going to see more markets this year or is that more of a longer term? You're going to, you're going to see more markets there. What uh, really what we're doing with that one is going back to the learning. We have some new, uh, we have some new CPE coming. 
um, some some optimized uh, home home gear that uh, really amps up the uh, the service. So um, you know that was one of the reasons we got into the fixed wireless, even with our home proprietary you know spec, so we could learn the home a lot better than than we knew before. Because remember, we we're basically just 100% mobility. So now we've learned about that. We've um, we've announced some partnerships with a company called Pivotal. And we've learned a whole bunch of things. So the next wave that you'll see will be really be amped up in terms of what the CPE capabilities are and other solutions to make sure you can get the signal inside your house. I know a lot of this millimeter wave, and you sort of talked about the, the limitations of where millimeter wave can go and that deployment. Are you guys considering using low band or I guess eventually you get some mid band as well? Is all of that on the table or is this largely a millimeter wave play? It's, it's all, it's, it, eventually it's all going to be on the table because the way we look at it, it's all, it's um, 5G NR is going to be ubiquitous throughout all of our, our spectrum bands. So all, of, and then as you carry, you know, you can carry or aggregate, and then it just becomes, the way I look at it is maybe the, the, the spectrum itself becomes less important. And it's really about what assets are you bringing to the table to support the use cases, right? Whether it be mobility or fixed wireless access. It's really about all these things you're putting together in a basket of, you know, technology. So customers don't need to worry about it. They just know they're going to get a, uh, a guaranteed service level and uh, we take care of it behind the scenes. So that, that's the way I think the world's going to end up going. Well, whether it's fixed mobile or whether it's true mobile, uh, in terms of nationwide coverage, and I talked about that for the second half, you know, AT&T and T-Mobile have talked about it. nationwide. It's a bit of a misleading term because it's not. Like it covers everyone in the country, right? There are there are decent gaps, usually places where there isn't a, a huge population. Uh, to your earlier point, but I'm curious what 5G. If there is something technically speaking with 5G that would enable us to kind of close that gap with coverage, getting more people covered with 5G than than say 4G or 3G. Yeah, I, guess, I think you're right in terms of the nomenclature of it all, and this goes back years and years and years ago, and really. The nationwide, it ended up being really like how many pops are you covering, right? And and typically that's the way the industry has looked at when you're buying spectrum or you're covering places, how much does it cost per pop, which is a person, right? And so, you know, that's how that nomenclature just kind of evolved and and, and went the way it did. In terms of rural again, we we actually we have a leading position in covering rural. We've been doing it for a long time. We you know, as an engineer, I want to cover, you know, the whole United States with red. <laughs> you know, I want the whole I want the whole thing to be covered as an engineer. But there's pragmatic limitations to that as well. But uh, like I said, we're going to continue to deploy more coverage, whether it be 4G, 5G, different bands of it, so we can cover more of the United States. That's that's what we've been doing for, you know, 20 years as we celebrate and prior to that. And that's what we're going to continue to uh, continue to do. Got it. And when, when it comes to the broadband gap, you know, we've talked to some experts say, you know, it's not necessarily just about geography. There are areas, the urban areas, where affordability is the issue, right? Getting getting that cost down um, and, and making sure everyone gets it. Like, what is Verizon doing to kind of help with that? Yeah, I know. Once again, I'll go back to the um, what we're doing with schools. Not all those schools and those kids that we're helping, they're not all in rural areas. Um, they they may be in more under you know, they're just, you know, poor areas, what have you, that just don't have infrastructure or uh, the wherewithal to get um, broadband. So 
you know, that we're just really looking to help where we can. So to close this gap and, you know, like I said, I think you'll be hearing more and more from what we're going to be doing. We're already doing a lot. We have a, um, a great group under Rose Kirk who leads our efforts in this regard. Uh, one other thing that I'm really excited about is we are going to be putting 5G in over 100 schools here. So the kids can use it. And we're also helping them with curriculum because one of the things that we think could also be kind of a, a nice flywheel of success is, okay, we can, we can help the kids get, make sure they're learning, uh, whether it be in COVID or not, but also set up curriculum that could be meaningful for them if they want to choose a career in technology, if you will. And, and we find as we go around, that's not always available every place. And so that's, always, that's also been a good thing that a lot of the teachers we're, we're working with um, like to see that we're actually also helping on the, the content of it. Because uh, obviously we have a lot of engineers and a lot of folks who understand technology and, and helping kids um, maybe get ignited and choose um, something in technology helps us because they could be employees of Verizon in the future. So kind of like a flywheel of success, if you will, a little bit. You know, the other, the other aspect of costs, obviously, is devices. Uh, and, and kind of bring this back to, to 5G. These are typically premium devices. You know, we just saw the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 launch. That starts with $1,000. Now, I, I talked to Ronan, uh, Ronan Dunn, your CEO, back in January, where we talked about getting 5G phones under $600. Is that still the goal? Are you trying to get even lower, especially given the changing dynamics of the situation? It's getting, getting it lower priority? It's a matter of time, right? I mean, it's just how it tends to go, right? When we first launched LTE, you know, it's the, you know, the chipset makers, phone makers, they're putting the cutting edge technology in the, in the high end devices that they sell. And then over time, it becomes more, uh, it moves more into the mainstream to the, you know, the mid tier devices and ultimately the lower devices. I think the difference here is going to be though, not so much devices. I think you're going to find other type of devices, not just a smartphone that the chips are going to show up in, like, you know, like goggles, any, all sorts of different wearables. I think you're going to see different devices pop up in this too. But in terms of smartphones, I think it's just going to follow the, the typical, the typical, start with a, start with a high end, move into the medium end and then, then down in the lower. That wraps up part four of our series on the digital divide. Check back tomorrow when we talk to Qualcomm about how 5G may play a role in closing the gap. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.